saw a commercial this week that began by asking the question, when was the last time you felt free? Well, that intrigued me. And the next statement was, it's time to experience that feeling once again with the cross and the shield. And then it came up and it was a commercial for Blue Cross and Blue Shield. And I thought, isn't that interesting? That sets me free. If I am a part of this HMO, I will find freedom. Now that caught my attention because we've been talking about a lot about freedom over the last few weeks. And so I was intrigued as to where that would go. And while I don't think freedom, true freedom, rests in being a member of Blue Cross and Blue Shield or any other insurance agency that you could might name, I, um, I am intrigued by the fact that that's what, that's what they use to draw people in. They recognize there is something in the human spirit that yearns for freedom. We all want to be free. People all over the world want to be free. We sing songs about it. We write poetry about it. People protest about it. We yearn for freedom. It's in the human spirit because that's how God created us. God created us to be free. When we look at Genesis 1 and 2, we find God creating the world in freedom and creating human beings to live in that world in freedom. And it's only because they choose not to, it's only because they sin, that now human beings, we all have this yearning for freedom. But it's God's desire for us to be free. And that's why when Jesus comes upon the scene, and the very first sermon we have recorded of him preaching in Luke chapter 4, we find him in the synagogue in Nazareth, and he takes out the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor. And to proclaim freedom for the captive and recovery of sight for the blind. And to set the prisoners free and to declare the day of the Lord's favor. Jesus is saying, and then he says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is me. His message, his reason for coming is to set us free. And that's been one of the key themes that we've seen running through this letter that Paul has written to the churches in Galatia, freedom. When we get to the end of the letter, in verse 11, he says, you look, you notice, I'm writing this now with my own hand. The common practice in that day was to write letters by dictation. The person would write down what the the author said, but at a certain point, you get to the end, and the author says, give me the, the pen, because I'm going to finish this off in order to, to uh, maintain authenticity, that this is indeed a letter that the author has indeed written, and that everything that has been said is the opinion of the author. No one has come along and said, I think I'll use their name and, and pretend to be from them. Writing it, the rest of it in your own hand, gives authenticity to the letter, but it's also an opportunity for the letter writer, the, the author of the letter, to summarize the primary points of what he or she has written before. And so Paul does that. And he brings us back to freedom. Actually, he, he sort of brings them back to their struggle with bondage. 
While God has called us to be free, one of the great human struggles is that we continue to choose bondage over freedom. And this is what we see Paul writing about in this letter as he, as he says to addresses the, the Jewish Christians from, from Jerusalem who have come to the Galatian churches and have in essence said to them, if you want to be a full Christian, if you want to be a wholehearted Christian, if you want to know intimacy with God, then you have to become a Jew first. You have to embrace all the law of Judaism. You have to practice all the laws of Judaism. And then you can become a full Christian. And Paul has been writing from the beginning saying, no. That's not freedom. That's bondage. And every one of us struggles with some kind of legalistic bondage. It is the nature of, human, of humanity. We love to make rules. We love to create forms. We love to create structures because it, I think it makes us feel more confident. It makes us feel more in, more in control of life. And so we create these rules. And they're not bad most of the time. Most of the time, they are rooted in something good. The problem arises when we begin to say, if you don't follow the rules that I've created, then something is wrong with you. And it, doesn't, it becomes about our rules we bring other people into bondage. It creates this spirit, quite frankly, of self-centeredness. And that's what you see here in verses 12 and 13 as Paul describes these false teachers who have come and laid this bondage on the Gentile Galatian Christians. They've said, look, they're not doing this because it's in your best interest. They're doing it because it's in their best interest. It makes them look good to the people back home. It it prevents them from facing some opposition from the people back home. They're doing this to make themselves look good, not because it's in your best interest. And that's what our rules tend to be. We're not usually thinking, now I want this person to follow this rule because it's in their best interest. We're typically thinking, I want them to follow this rule because I think this is a good rule. And because I've come up with this rule or because I've embraced this rule and everyone should follow this rule. And what ends up happening is that we, we create a very critical judging spirit. Rules just naturally lead us to that. And we start, the rules always lead us to questions like who's in and who's out. Who's right and who's wrong, who's good and who's bad. Decisions that, quite frankly, are God's decisions to make, not our decisions to make. And there's something about those kinds of rules that leads to those kinds of questions that make us feel better about ourselves. Because, of course, we are always on the side of right and good and in. Don't you find it interesting? The people who make the rules about who's in are always the people who are in. And, and it makes us feel better about that. But Paul says that's bondage. The, faith, the, the life with Christ is not about following rules. And that automatically leads, what we're really saying, if you boil it down, is we're going to put limitations on God. We're going to put God in our box. We're going to put God under bondage. 
Because when we start making rules and we start judging people based on the rules and that the rules are determining who's in and who's out, what are we really saying? God can only work in the ways that we agree with. God can only work in the ways that we resonate with. And we miss the fact that God is so much bigger than any of us. I had a thought this week. I had a thought this week of coming this morning wearing skinny jeans and a t-shirt. Now, nobody wants to see that. I understand. Nobody wants to see me in skinny jeans. So we'll just lay that out there, right? Which was one of the reasons why I didn't do it. But the reason I was thinking about doing it is because the minute you would have seen me dressed like that, you would have started making judgments in your mind. Just like I do. Now, some of you may be making judgments in your mind because I'm wearing these clothes and not wearing, well, not skinny jeans, but not wearing jeans. The other reason I didn't do that is because I read an article recently that said that the, that the young generation are really not looking for hip pastors. And so I feel safe about that. I'm good. <laughs> no one has ever accused me of being hip. I don't know. But it just reminded me, you think about it, how many times we make a value judgment based on the kind of clothes people wear, the kinds of places they go, the kinds of of things that they like. I mean, you know, we have this whole difference of opinion even about worship styles and music, what kind of translation of the scriptures we use. And it's no, it's fine, it's good for us to have our thoughts about that and what works for us. But when we start saying that has to work for everyone else, then we are limiting God. Because when I look through history, I see God working in people's lives in ways that are far beyond the way he's worked in my life. Does it make me uncomfortable sometimes? Yes, it does. And there's something in my mind that wants to say, yeah, but wait a minute. And then the Holy Spirit reminds me, you do realize that your journey People said the same thing about you, right? I mean, if we had to act like all the people through history, you know, our lives would be very, very different. But God is so much bigger than that. And when we need to embrace that and live in the freedom of letting God be God, letting God work the way he wants to work. And if we were to take a poll this morning of all the things about our journeys, wherever we are in our journey with Christ... And how we've gotten to wherever we are, I'm pretty sure we would have as many stories as there are people here. And that's because God is bigger than our rules, than our forms, than our boundaries. And we ought to be giving thanks for that. You see, the the heart of our relationship with God is not obedience. It's faith. I think faith leads to obedience. Obedience is important. Scripture talks a lot about obedience. But if the focus of our faith is obeying rules... And it does not necessarily lead to faith. But faith always leads to obedience. And Paul has been making this point throughout the letter as he talks about Abraham. 
And he's summarizing what we read a few moments ago from Genesis 15. Verse 6 says, God counted him as righteousness because of his faith. Not because he obeyed the law. In fact, Paul's point is, the law won't even be delivered to Israel for hundreds of years. It's about faith. And faith leads to obedience. But if our focus is on obedience, we will always get caught up in the rules and the judging. But when our, when our, when our focus is on faith, then it leads us to openness to God. And it leads us to freedom. One of the things that we have, one of the images we've tapped into in the prayer room this year as we think about praying freely and this thing, we've been talking about freedom and over the next few weeks we're going to continue to talk about freedom and prayer. But one of the things we've tapped into is John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. And there's a, one of the, one of the interactive elements of the prayer room is that we have a, a knapsack type thing. You see a picture there in the prayer room and we've got a basket full of bags of rocks and one of the things that you can do, in fact, one of the things I'm going to do one of the times when I go into the prayer room is I'm going to fill that with rocks and I'm going to put it on my back the first thing I walk into the room. And I want to carry that thing around for 50 or 55 minutes to feel the weight of that. And then to feel the freedom and the lightness of taking it off and the difference And to be reminded of how often I'm walking around like pilgrim with this burden on my back because I've chosen it. And to experience something of the freedom and the joy of God taking that off, being free from it. But here's the other part of the equation that Paul is concerned about for us is that when we when God sets us free again our selfishness gets in the way our sinfulness because the very first thing we tend to think about is I'm free and I can do anything I want now in essence that's true I mean that's part of what Paul's point is you're free from the rules you're free from the laws you're free from the from the uh, forms and the structures and all the ways of bondage that we put on each other, we're free from that. We are free to do whatever we want. But Paul says, but be careful. Don't use your freedom selfishly. We're children of God. Paul says in chapter 4 that we have, through the Spirit, we are children of God and we can actually call out God and call God Abba, Father. And often that word is translated as the word daddy. And I think that's somewhat appropriate, a little child calling out to his or her father or mother, calling mommy. But I don't think that's the end of it. I think ultimately what God is wanting for us as his children is not to live in this lifelong childish relationship with God, but to live in a relationship that is continually growing and maturing so that as we move along our journey we become more intimate with God that can only happen like you see as a little child grows up into adulthood. I think that's why Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, I'd love to give you meat, but I can't. You can't handle it. You're just childish. So all you can do is take milk. 
And for a little baby, that's good. But eventually, as we get older, we are expected, we need more food. We need more protein. We need a wider menu for our health. And Paul is saying, look, if you're just going to remain immature children, then you've missed the point of your freedom. Because immature children tend to be people who live avoiding responsibility. Now, when you're little, when you're a child and, you know, two or three years old, you don't typically expect your children at that age to carry their weight around the house. You know, I mean, very few people would say to their one-year-old, look, you're going to have to clean up after yourself here. You know, you're going to have to sweep up. You're going to have to take out the garbage. I mean, come on. We're not doing this for nothing here, right? No, we don't say that to them. But when they get to be 12 or 10 or 15, we have expectations. And we should. We're trying to teach them responsibility. And we should have expectations, which is one of the reasons why we have all these, you know, tug-of-war dilemmas with teenage children. But that's the point. And as our children get older, our conversations change. You know, right now, if you have a a small child, you know, you're trying to teach them words and you're trying to help them understand things, but they have a hard time communicating and understanding. But as they get older, you can have totally different conversations. And as parents tend to hide things from their children, in terms of, you know, maybe some stuff going on in families or in the world, as they get older, you want to have conversations with them. You value their judgment. You want to have more intimate, more adult conversations. That's maturity. And that's what God is looking for in us. That we have been given this great gift of freedom, but we don't use it selfishly. We don't just hold on to it like an immature child. We, we use it like a mature adult. And Paul says the primary thing, the primary way in which we use our freedom is to follow the one commandment, the one law that really matters. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. We love, we serve. We love God, we serve God. We love each other, we serve each other. That's what mature adults do. And we take this freedom that's been given to us and we use it to serve each other. We use it as a means of loving each other. But that's a struggle for us. We wrestle with it. Because we like to think freedom means I don't have to serve. I don't have to love. I don't have to give. I can just do whatever I want. But that's not the gospel. Because that's not Jesus. Nobody has more freedom in the world who's ever lived in this earth than Jesus does. Paul says in Philippians 2 that he is the very nature of God. Total, complete freedom. And what does he do with it? He gives himself. He serves, he loves, he sacrifices. One of the images, one of the focal points of the prayer room this year is a painting by Willard Ortlip that the Shea family sort of dug out of the archives and helped, we helped restore a bit of it. And it's this painting of Christ's hand reaching down and breaking the chains on our hands. It's an awesome picture of freedom, but notice, notice the nail print in Jesus' hand. Jesus, who had total freedom, used his freedom to set us free. Went to the cross. 
That's why Paul says in verse 14, I'm boast about anything except the cross. That's why he writes in Galatians 2.20, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's the call of the gospel on our freedom. The hard thing about that is that that doesn't feel like freedom. It feels like bondage once again. It's a different kind of bondage. It's, a being, it's the kind of, of servanthood, kind of service that is so connected to Christ, the source of our joy and the source of our life and the source of true freedom. And will it be costly for us? Yes, it will. One author says that when you think about the cross and you think about the call of Christ on his disciples, I think it's safe to presume that Christ is thinking that everyone who follows him will be willing to go through cross-like moments for other people just as Christ does for us. It is the call of the gospel. It's about Christ. It's always about Christ. Always comes back to Christ. The freedom that Paul is describing is not just freedom from rules and it's not freedom to do whatever we want. It is focusing, trusting in Christ. And what we discover when we do that is that it is never a waste to trust our freedom to Christ. It is never a waste to sacrifice our freedom for Christ, to relinquish our freedom to Christ. It is never a waste because it is always leading us and leading others to Christ. In a sense, it seems to me that what Paul's describing here is it's kind of a, a foretaste of God's future. On that day when Christ returns and God ushers in, the, and ushers in the kingdom and God sets everything right, on that day and when we begin to live that life, there will be total, complete freedom. And nothing will bring us joy more than using our freedom to love and serve God and to love and serve each other. Because our hearts will be interwoven with the heart of God, the heart of Christ. And wanting to do and to be like Christ will be the overwhelming passion of our existence. And that means that we will, we will love our freedom and we will embrace our freedom by using our freedom to serve and to love. And it seems to me that In essence, Paul is saying, if that is going to be our eternal freedom, we're going to be new creatures. He talks in verses 15, 16 about being, about the new creation, about being the new people of God. I think he's saying that if that's going to be the joy of our existence then, a joy we can't even begin to understand, then why would we not want to start experiencing that now? call of the gospel is that Christ has made us new creatures, setting us free to be agents 
of God's new creation in this world. Agents of healing and peace and truth and justice and grace and mercy. We get the privilege of using our freedom to be agents of all the amazing things that God wants to do in this world. It's one of the things, I think it's one of the things that sets apart the gospel from everything else. It, it, what dif- it's, what, it's one of the differences between people who are followers of Christ and people who are not. It is the radical call of the gospel and it's a, it's a difficult call. and It's one of the hardest things we do. But it is also one of the, the way of joy and life and true freedom. I, for as long as I can remember, I have been scared of heights. My family could regale you with stories, many of them humorous, about my encounters with being in high places. I, I you know, get weak in the knees, I feel the hair on the back of my neck stand up, my blood pressure raises. I, you know, I, I, we have stories of our travels, different places and being in different spots where the, the, the fear of heights just overwhelms me. I don't like being in the balcony, to be honest with you. I don't like, I don't like standing over the balcony and I, I can't really look down. I'm always doing this and trying to look like that. I just have this fear of heights and I think that's what grabbed me about this I don't know, a little parable that I read recently. It, it, something about it just grabbed me. It, it went something like this. Jesus says, come to the edge. And I said, no, I'm afraid. And Jesus said, come on, come to the edge. I said, no, I'm afraid. And Jesus said, come on, come to the edge. And so I did. And he did exactly what I was afraid he was going to do. He pushed me. And then together, we flew. Freedom in Christ is not follow these rules and live. Freedom in Christ is not do whatever you want and live. Freedom in Christ is trust Him and find Father, may that be so for each of us, for each of us. Amen.